You're listening to the Rough Draft Podcast, Season 10, Episode 2, where Cam sits down with Alexis Rivera, the president of the Sueño Latino Club here on campus, to kick off Hispanic Heritage Month. guest today um would you like to introduce yourself yeah um i'm alexis rivera i am a fourth year student i have i'm um an early ed undergrad and applied behavior analysis masters so i guess now you should uh, introduce like hmm, my club yeah yeah i'm sorry i forgot that part i'm also the president and founder of sueño latino um the rebirth of the hispanic cultural society um the latin club on campus that's good and as everyone should know it's hispanic heritage month it is it is starting september 15th to october 15th that's great yeah that is super great so of course we have you here so we can broaden out let's say ideas and understanding of just Hispanic culture, history, and everything else above the sun. So I think the first question we should ask you is, what does Hispanic Heritage Month mean to you specifically? Um, To me, it's just the recognition of what we have done for the world and for the country and um, recognition that all minority groups deserve that we haven't had. Um, Hispanic Heritage Month has only been a thing for not very long really just a few years about 40 years 40 30 years so it's 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 pretty new um it used to be a week um and it just recently got turned into a month but i don't know i feel like with hispanic heritage month with black history month it's it's a band-aid so i feel like there's so much more that needs to be done um in the world (laughs) in our in society in general Right. Um, just to expand on that idea, um, you know, um, recently a lot of, um, you know, with everything going on political-wise and everything else, especially when talked about immigration and everything else, it seemed to focus more on, I could be incorrect about this, it seemed to focus more on um, Hispanic people, like, it's other immigrants too, like, from people from UK, Ireland, everything else. Yeah, but, Canada. Can, there's like a yeah. huge amount of Canadian um, illegal immigrants, but that's never talked about. And it is really Latin American countries. And it's really sad to me personally. Like I'm um, second generation. So my grandmother is an illegal immigrant from the Dominican Republic. And it's just really sad. The, um, the hate that really goes on between Latin people, like... In my eyes, there is no easy way to come to this country and leaving your home and leaving everything you know and leaving your culture to come here for a better life than to be punished for it. You know, like a lot of these people are running away from things. So it it just, it makes me sad. The entire thing makes me sad. The hate that there is against all illegal immigrants, not just Latinos. 
Um, I feel like we should be more accepting. I feel like there's a better way. There's policies that need to be changed. Um, If this is supposed to be a melting pot, like if America is supposed to be a melting pot, and we're we're here on stolen land to then like reject people as hard as we're rejecting people is really sad. Yeah, that is sad. Um, just to um, change it a little bit. So, I just want because personally, I think when we read books, watch TV, even film and all that stuff, where where is, is Hispanic people in that? They always focus on the immigration story. The American Dream Story, at least most films and books and everything. Yeah, honestly, if it's not the American Dream Story, it's about drugs. You know, you get your, like, stereotypical Hector, you know what I mean, who's a game maker. So, yeah, I've actually never seen a Hispanic-based show or movie where it's just Latinos living their life, you know? It's, It's regular. You know, it's not something I've ever seen before. It's always... You know, my dad got deported, or um, something sad, like my father's in jail, you know? like, And that that's just like a stereotype that we continue to see because the media is, that's what's being put out there. So we're, as Latin people, we're gonna continue to be seen as drug dealers, we're gonna continue to be seen as illegals, we're gonna continue to be seen as like Latina woman, like we're gonna continue to be seen as sexual objects if we don't change the narrative for ourselves. Right. And it's funny because I'm I looked I looked up more Hispanic things like artists and writers and filmmakers, and all of their works are so beautiful, um, very passionate with it. And why do you think, more specifically, America is just trying to promote the Oh, immigration story. Is, w- would you like to see any other story that get tackled in the Hispanic culture or just broaden? Um, to answer your first question, why do I think I see that? I think it's just racism. It's just hate. You know, I feel like um, white America really just can't get past certain things in our history. We, we, we're still fighting for equality for all people. We're still fighting for um, I I can't think. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're there's just th- so many things that we're still fighting for, and it's taking us going to the streets and prote- protesting to get to these places. So I don't know when every I don't, I don't know what I want to see. I just want to I don't want to be equal. You know, I've experienced racism and prejudice on this campus. Mm-hmm. You know, so like it's something you expect as a person of color. And it's something you expect as a person of color coming to a PWI, but it's always really surprising when it happens. Like you're almost taken aback. You know, I am kind of a big face on this campus. I do. I am involved in a lot. So like when it does happen, I'm like, I forgot. Like <laughs> I forgot I was different. You know. So and can you repeat your second question? Oh no, I say you pretty much answered like all my questions. Okay. So that's really nice. So um, let's just change the gear a little bit. I just personally, I want to know. What is your favorite like example of like thing about like Hispanic lit- literature or like movies or even artists like who are you like listening to right now or watching or anything that have Hispanic heritage to it or is it, you know a Hispanic person to it? That is like the 
awesome question. Um, I personally don't watch TV because I don't have time. <laughs> so I'm not watching anything. Um, I listen to music all the time. And I'm, I listen to any bachata artists ever because I love, that's my favorite form of music. Um, I feel like I'm really basic. I listen to Mark Anthony a lot. I listen to Prince Royce a lot. Um, anything that really pops up on Spotify, like I'll like put a Latin radio on on Spotify and then whatever plays I'll listen to truthfully. Right. I feel like that's a really bad question for me because <laughs> I don't watch or really listen to anything. You know, it's okay because I'll, and you know, just speaking on music, because I listen to a lot of rap and I feel like what's, what's expanding right now is Hispanic rap. Like, I listen right. to, um, I don't know if you've heard of CJ Whoop or Whoop D, whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's slide. Like, I, I'm going to be honest, that, that's <laughs> a banger right there. But it's interesting because it's so many, um, just Hispanic, like, how, because, you know, America is the melting pot right. and everything. Culture is very tossed around and everything. So I want to know, do you see any Hispanic cultures getting popularized or more socially accepted if if you can see um i don't know if there's anything i see that's being more socially accepted i feel like if you speak spanish out in public you still get a look you know what i mean there's always i feel like there's always a person that says like this is america speak english even though there's no permanent um language in america you know there's no set language but i don't i don't know if i really see anything that's like it could also be where I'm at, you know? I live in New York, so you're either always around your own culture or at MPA where nobody else looks like me unless you're looking for the person who looks like you. You know, and that's why I started this club. Like, two fine people <laughs> who looked like me because I was the only brown girl in all of my classes. Right. So, um, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything that's like recently been socially acceptable, like, I feel like people want to look like us, but they don't want to accept us. So everybody wants to look Latina. You know, everyone wants honey-colored skin. Everybody wants to be curvy. Everyone wants long curly hair. But nobody wants us. So I guess you could say, like, our look is being popularized, popularized but, like, that's not what we want. Right. I feel like this is getting, like, this is a downer. Like, if you want to change the questions at any time, we can. I'm sorry. Um, hey, we can change the <laughs> um, I'm also really real, so. Right. They're, they're important topics, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's um the music thing you mentioned? The bachata? Bachata is a certain, uh, it's a dance, and it's also a, a certain pop, a uh, certain music style. Um, a lot of people who don't listen to Spanish music says all oh, Spanish music sounds the same. But people who have an ear for it know like the difference. So there's various different styles. So there's salsa, which most people are familiar with. Then there's merengue, and then there's bachata, and there's a hundred different types of different dances and sounds and um, beats. Um, bachata is my personal favorite. It's what I've spent most of my life listening to. I listened to a lot of my home growing up. Um, Merengue is also really popular. It just depends on which island you're from. So I'm half Puerto Rican. I'm half Dominican. Merengue is very Dominican. Bachata is very Puerto Rican. So I just end up gravitating more to that side sometimes. 
That's really interesting. I and it's more the more we talk, the more I even personally I do forget that and I think a lot of Americans forget that it's more than just Mexican coming over. It's more it's so it is, many it's so much more. Cultures. Yeah. And it to talk about and every time I think about what's happening in our country with what was going on with the wall and what was going on at the border with people in cages and women's uteruses being cut out. Like, I don't know how you can hear that stuff happening and think that, and still have the feeling that like these people don't belong here. These people need to be deported. And I understand there's cases where that does need to happen, but these are still people. You wouldn't treat a dog this way. You know what I mean? Like you, there's, there are laws <laughs> against treating animals poorly, but we're treating real people so poorly. And it just proves to me that people of color are as valuable to America as less than dogs, like less than animals. Like that's how, that's where we're valued. We're valued below a house pet. <laughs> so like, I don't know, that just, that always like brings up emotion in me. Especially with like having family that's like illegal. So like that can happen to my grandmother. You know, that that could have happened to my grandmother. So like to think that people in their heads think that this is okay or they deserve that. You know what I mean? Or like the law is the law and they have their consequences. But at what point are the consequences too vast? Because there's a difference between sending someone back to their home and there's another difference between treating a person like dirt. So. Yeah, it's. This conversation awesome. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, it's. You really um. You you definitely brought in my mind. Um. Yeah, it's. It's hard to talk. No, it's not hard. To, it shouldn't be hard to talk about these things, but. It should be hard to talk about, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't not be talked about. this is it's a hard topic and a lot of people choose to avoid it because it's a hard topic and people don't want to feel emotions (laughs) you know what I mean people don't want to be sad um but this is our everyday life like these are I'm an elementary major I have I'm currently student teaching in Hannah Penn and all of these kids are brown they are black and brown students there's not one white kid in my class and I can guarantee you at least five of them are illegal. So, and they know they're illegal. So I remember a kid like crying cause they thought that their parents got deported. Like I have, like imagine being a child, you know what I mean? And like, we're all running from something, you know? We're, we're coming to this country because we do have this vision of what America is like, not knowing, you know? So, I don't know, I just think of my grandmother. She was sold into, um, I don't even know what that's called, like, she was a sex slave. She was sold to a man by her father for cattle. Like, and she's alive, like, this is, she's young, she's in her 60s. Um, and she came here, she ran away, you know, she bored two kids. Um, in the Dominican Republic, she left them, and she ran here, you know? And these are these people's stories that are running to America, but people don't want to hear that. 
they see drug dealers and they see I don't even know drug dealers like I think that's all they see and gang members and the possibility but they don't see hard-working people who are working your fields for nothing who are cleaning your um your your horse your horse stables and your um your cows and all that like the hard work that like really nobody wants to do and for pennies so i don't know i think there's just like a lot of work that needs to be done in the minds of most american people yeah um just harping um back um to your educational side i think that's important too um I, I grew up near Baltimore and all that stuff, and I went to Owens Mills. It was it was split between Hispanic, Blacks, and a little bit of, of whites. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know how I wouldn't say difficult, but just put it put perspective in my eyes on how hard was like. Let me ask you this first: Are you bilingual? Um, I would say yes. My Spanish isn't great, mm-hmm. so I can't speak Spanish. I speak Spanish comfortably with my family, but if I'm if someone starts talking to me in Spanish, I kind of get like taken aback because I'm like I don't want to be made fun of <laughs> like, or like laughed at because when you don't speak fluent Spanish, like that's uh you're not like real, you're not a real Hispanic, you know. And I get that. Like I judge people who don't know any Spanish, and I don't know. I know half Spanish, so like people who know full Spanish, like it. It's such a weird environment to be in. Like it's such a weird dynamic. In the Latin community. I have um, some some of my Hispanic friends can't speak very good English, but they can speak very good Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, can you put perspective in like Hollywood, or maybe you know somebody like that, or just grew up near people like that? How do we feel that being the primary educational system where so-called standard English and prime English or whatever is so enforced, but they can't speak it? So I just want to know. Oh my it, gosh, that is an awesome question. Like, that's like my favorite question. So, (laughs) because I do, I do have, I have five little kiddos, about eight years old. They speak no English. And they're put in the back of the classroom to fend for themselves, you know? And part of it, part of it is the teacher's fault, but how much can you blame on the teacher if they're not given the correct um, tools they need for equity in their classroom, you know? So these kids are being left behind. They, they're in second grade. By first grade, you should know your alphabet. You should know all your letters and all your letter sounds. There's certain milestones that aren't being met in their education. So I'm sitting here working with these kids, trying to get them to learn their alphabet in second grade. And so like, to some people that's not a big deal, but to me, that's a huge deal. Because if you don't know your alphabet, you can't read. You know, you can't write. That's a huge setback. So now what happens when you're in fifth grade and you still can't read and you still can't write and you're still struggling learning English because you go home and all you speak is Spanish, you know? So, and then we're wondering why minority communities aren't getting to college. And we're wondering why minority communities are falling into gangs and are like being delinquents, you know? How can we set these kids up for success if we're not giving them what they need? So you're not changing the curriculum into Spanish. You're not educating them. And they're sitting in the back of the classroom talking amongst themselves. 
And I've seen that in every classroom I've been. I've seen it in Jackson's, uh, Jackson Street Elementary School, and I've seen it in Hannah Penn. And a majority of these Spanish-speaking kids are all put in the back of the classroom, sitting by, sitting with each other, like in groups with each other, all talking amongst themselves. And I get there, and they're doing work, quotes I'm putting, <laughs> you can't see me, and um, but they're not doing anything. So then they don't know their numbers. They don't know their letters. They don't know how to read, but nobody's teaching them. So who can you blame? You know, who is to blame for this? Is it the school system? Is it the teachers? Is it society? Like, it's it's a big problem. And we're gonna continue to get English language learners. It's not just Spanish, you know? It's all languages. It's people who come over from Haiti and only speak French. People who come over from the different Asian countries and only speak their own language. What are we doing to help these kids who don't know English? And why isn't there a curriculum change? Why aren't they, if there's enough students who speak Spanish who can all be in the same classroom, why aren't they all in the same classroom? Why isn't there someone consistently teaching them English if that's what they need? Like where are the resources? And I feel like that's so much higher than the school board and the teacher and the superintendent, that that goes up to policy. And that's like a huge thing that needs to be changed because people are going to continue coming over. And these kids are gonna continue being left behind. And these classrooms are con going to continue being unequitable. And this is gonna continue to be a pattern if something doesn't change soon. Yeah. And this is something I'm really passionate about because it makes me so mad. So then I take it amongst myself when I get into the classroom to get all the Spanish kids, put them in a group, and work with them one-on-one. -on -one and, like, get them to where they need to be as much as I can. Whether I'm teaching them their letters in Spanish because at least they know something, or I'm teaching them in English the best that I can. That was, that was, that was a lot to take in. Yeah. Right. Um... So we hear it's so much. So it's probably the last question, but I have to ask you, um, we talk about America, we talk about this, we talk about that. I just want to know, in your per personal perspective, what is the American dream? And if you feel like it's no such thing as American dream or something like that, what should it be? I feel like, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting the words. <laughs> I feel like there should be an American dream, but there is not one. I feel like it is made by Hollywood and the media to build what is this beautiful, perfect country that we're not. And I'm not saying that we can't get there, because we can't. We have, we're the richest country in the world. Like we have the resources to get there. We have the education to get there. Um, it's it's really the question of why are we not there, you know? So I feel like the American dream is what we all know it to be, is to come to this country and to be free. And it's all about freedom and, and pride. But who's free in this country, you know? Like that's really the question. If you're German, you're free if you're, I don't know, Canadian, you're free if 
if you're European, if you're if you have European features and European skin tone and you're free, you know, but what of what about those of us who aren't free and aren't and end up getting put in cages? Like the the idea of America is freedom, but most of us aren't free. So or half of us aren't free. You know? So is it is it equality and freedom and justice for all if you have to work ten times harder than me because you're a black man in America and I happen to be a Latin woman? You know, like is that freedom? Why do you have to work so much harder than me and why do you, why are you put a step below me? You know? So I don't know, I feel like there is this idealistic of an American dream that has been put out there and that people believe, but they come here and they're, they're it's a rude awakening. Yeah. Um, well, that's about it. Uh, Alexi, uh, Alexis, excuse me, would you uh, like to say anything before we get out of here? Um, join my club, Senor Latino. Um, this is who I am in a nutshell. Um, I'm very real, I'm very to the point, and I don't like to water things down. Um, and these are the type of conversations that we do have in the club. Um, look out for our flyers, join our group me, email me, um, just type in my name in the email, in like the little email thing, you'll see it, arivera26ycp.edu. Um, and yeah, have a great night. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Rough Draft Podcast. We hope you enjoyed, and we hope you tune in next Monday, where we sit down with York College's visiting writer, Melissa Falavino, to talk about her book, Tomboyland.